back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey everybody, welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break, watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show, get some chances to win some awesome prizes. Bash you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it can just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Welcome to Bash University Live uh, Tuesday morning. Great to have you guys hanging out with us, talking fishing. Uh, really uh, great guest today, Cooper Gallant, uh, qualified for the elites. There's a lot going on in, in the fishing world right now. Guys are moving around, uh, switching trails. Uh, what's going to happen next year? Who knows? But we know what's happening with Cooper Gallant. He's from Canada, came down, fished the entire open trail this year and qualified for the elites including a big dub on cherokee lake so uh gonna be available for us to talk you guys got questions let's let's have it uh let's see how we did it i mean uh man it's 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 and you know it's going to get harder and harder to do um gdp good to have you with us in studio but it's i mean next year i think is going to be even tougher to get in through the opens because i think we're gonna have a lot of New faces to the opens, but not new to tournament fishing. Some serious, hardcore veterans. You're, you're right, for sure. Between the young guns and the vets that are coming in, uh, man, I said it since the beginning. The opens trail is absolutely the toughest. And if you want to make the big show and you're going to qualify for the lead series, good luck. <laughs> it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, and it's going to get tougher. I know, I know that. I've heard uh, some marquee. We just uh, kicked around Bobby Lane. I heard uh, is probably going to fish. I heard potentially Ish Monroe is going to be jumping in the opens, uh, and that's just, you know, some rumors. I don't have confirmation on this, but I've heard that they're thinking about doing it, and I bet you there's many others that are going to do it too. Um, you know, so it's going, to, it's going to be like, right, we've got all the local sticks. We've got the guys that are battling to try to find the get into the opens, and we've got those serious veterans now. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting open schedule, but we're going to be – you know, real quick on that, too. And, and the format's changing next year. They get limited practice. Oh, that's right. So that, yeah. that's going to change things. It really is. Because I, I think a lot of guys, and no offense, they spend, you know, weeks at a time on these places. Go ahead. You can offend them. I'm saying, like, I, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you if Fairy you, tale <laughs> uh, if, if you truly want to be a professional bass fisherman on the elite series yeah. level. You better figure it out in two Guess days. what? Yeah, you yeah. get two or three days to figure it out. And if, you know, you're giving yourself weeks at a time to figure right. stuff out. Yep. You won't be in for something on that one. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to be. You're not going to be ready. And yep. it's. And a lot of guys had. And and you know we like to be jealous of those guys. Honestly, right. that yep. were able to go from tournament yeah, spend been here for a month. Three. Right, cool. How cool would that be? <laughs> just travel around month after month, right. just going from body of water to yeah. body of water, yep. uh, trying to figure things out. Well. Man, that's gone now, Rich. Yeah, I thought a lot of people actually moved to Cecil County. The, the <laughs> I mean, You're probably right. The, the wrap trucks and boats, they were just everywhere for, yeah. for months. It seemed like great for business, you know what I mean? Great for the, the local economy, but it was crazy how long 
Yeah. Some of them were there. You know, it was like you called it, Pete. You're like, you're like, I promise you, when they leave Oneida, they're headed to the bay. Yeah. You know, sure enough, they were. But yep. you know, how how often does does the extremely long practice does it actually hurt you though? I think a right? lot. Like, I know me, it would spin me uh, out. <laughs> I, you know, I. I the guy that can learn how to benefit from it is yeah. right. That's that's the key thing is you got to be able to forget. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to use your practice wisely. Right. Like spend a lot of time with sonar, yeah. uh, looking at habitat and recognizing that you know, fit, man, I, the fish don't do the same thing for very long. Yep. So the fish you caught a week ago are not going to be doing that. In addition, throw two hundred boats on a body of water now. Yep. Like you might have been there by yourself for two weeks. Those fish are going to behave a certain way. You put 200 guys practicing, showing them lures, sticking some of them, all of a sudden fishing pressure starts becoming the dominant factor to have to deal with. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's really hard to use a long practice. It is, sure. Um, but there are guys that have been successful doing it. Not anymore. Not going to have that chance. You got, what, two and a half? No, it's five days. It's five days. Yeah. Which is still a pretty long practice. I, honestly, to me, that's the perfect amount. Yeah, I, I would say you're right. You can get settled in, yeah. do your thing, and then you kind of you don't have to rush as far as don't have to rush. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think yes. you're, you're just you're settled minded. You're you got time to do what you right. got to do. You can think properly. Yes, you know you're like, oh my god, I got to go here. Yeah, I got to cover this. Got to get to this lake mean, arm or you, this. You mean the five days seems the right or the two and a half? I, no, the five days for an opens professional as, as a whole, even as elite series. If we if we had four days as an elite series guy, one extra day would just take the pressure off tremendously. Right. It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll, it allows for a lot of things. Like if you're on big water and you've got a 30-mile-an-hour blow that mm-hmm. day, exactly. right? Right. So you got, you got to account for that day. You're going to be able to cover limited amounts of water. Yep. Uh, a breakdown, right? right. Yeah. Uh, you're going to lose a day sometimes too, and yep. that five days allows you to recover from that and still be able to yep. practice. And, and not be under the gun. Like I said, you, you can get in a hurry with a short practice and – Look at a stretch of water and just kind of blow through it because you have to, and you might miss something, mm-hmm. you know. So sure. it'll that five days just uh, really – and it'll also afford you the opportunity, which I like to do a lot, is uh, get off the water uh, sometimes one day, like that day before the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I feel comfortable, if I'm, you know, uh, I can get off the water, leave the fish on pressure, yeah. work on gear – uh, exactly. get everything organized the way that I want to control all the things that you can control. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I've really come to like, I find that as a really good strategy too. It's like the day before an event, just, just do every, make, make sure the tackle's perfect. The boat's perfect. All that stuff. So that when you launch, it's like, you're not wondering about anything. All you got to do is just do your job and go catch a fish. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. And the other thing that you, you just said that was really, you know, note worth noting is the, you know, when you have that extra time, it allows you to kind of slow down through areas rather than work through like, you know, when we're in practice mode, we're go, 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 go. But a lot of times I think that style of practicing and fishing actually slows us down, right? We're practicing fast and it slows us down. And what I mean by that is like we're practicing so fast that we're skipping over things and it takes us forever to figure something out. Whereas if you would have just slowed down in an area, get one bite, one bite turns into two bites and then everything speeds up. Because you have, you know, once you get those first couple bites, you start shortcutting the process through fish catches, right? Where when you're practicing and you're not getting bites, you're moving fast, 
but you're kind of slowing down the process because you're not getting fights. Yeah, it, it's a complex yeah. situation. And how do you how do you practice Oahi with two and a half days? <laughs> right. I mean, you can't you can't look at any of it. Wide, wide open, man. It's crazy. That's it. It's like you're making it up as you go along, which yeah. is kind of cool, yeah. you know, but. Um, yeah, that's a big body of water uh, with li- limited practice. Time. Rick Clun did something with he would break bodies of water down into quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. For like a, a four quadrant section, and then identify you know which two were going to be his best. That's op- a, that's opportunity. That's always succeed. been Ike's strategy as yeah. well, yep. right? And then break your practice day up. Okay, spend one here, spend two there, and then the half day dial it in on where it was better. It makes yeah. sense totally because yeah. in, in the event, a lot of times too, like you know, for an elite series tournament. A lot of times, if we had two and a half days of practice, I would take two. And then that third day, prior to COVID, we had meetings. So I would do my tackle in the morning, go to the meeting. So I had two days of practice. But a lot of times, if you had it broke down like Rich said, right. you know, you're know, you practicing a lot in the event also. But sure. it allows you to really dial mm-hmm. in and break yeah. down. If you're in the right sections, that's the biggest player. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the biggest thing to try Finding to Finding the right section. Yeah. Correct. And if you can put yourself in that position, even if you're still practicing – you'll come out on top a lot of times. And I yeah. think that's over-practicing, and we talked about those long practices. It, yep. it can be a problem because what will happen is you fish areas and don't get bit, mm-hmm. and you write them off, Yep. Yep. right, where it might be in line with a developing pattern, but you just didn't get bit on it at the day that you were there, right. you yep. know, or the days you spent there. So not fishing everything is really important exactly. to me, to my game. Yep. You know, because I can look at a piece of habitat fresh with fresh right. eyes. Whereas if I threw a jig into that tree of practice and didn't get bit, yep. I'm gonna, I'm I'm not as likely to fish that during the tournament. Yeah. Whereas right. if I look at a tree and I'm like, wow, it's just right, it's on the outside bend or whatever, it's in line, and I I don't even fish it, I yeah. won't even throw at it, you know, and um and that you know I I'm likely to fish it during the tournament. So you can definitely overfish. So let let's talk. It's going to be interesting. Right. Cooper's going to dive Cooper in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's do and it. And let's see how he did it and. Oh, we've got Scott, Scott Carlisle with us, fresh. we got so many European vacationers uh, this week at the Bash University. Yeah, fresh back from Scotland. Yeah, that was yeah, quite a trip. Beautiful place. Yeah, they, they're all about the trout over there and the grayling. Mm-hmm. You know, if they had largemouth, we, we might have extended that vacation. But they didn't, so. <laughs> you didn't bring any stock, smallmouth to stock while you no, were over there? No, I did look for the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. I can confirm that I may have seen something, but we won't go down that On your Hummingbird Live, live Megan. <laughs> on my Mega Live, baby. That finds everything. Found it. That's all they need. You That's can't hide, Nessie. <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> well, good it's deal. Good, it's good to have you back. And if, if Jocelyn, you're a world traveler. I am. New Orleans, Europe, you're all over the place. Yeah, I did not fish at any of this. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> not no. like Scott. Scott fished in Scotland. Yeah, there you go. Scotty. Well, you, you, you got to see Italy and Switzerland. I did, and it was absolutely amazing. I want to be back there right now. <laughs> well, lots of history. It's, like, it's great to have you back. Thanks. And, uh, Good to be back. And uh, I got to spend some time with you down at uh, New Orleans at the ASA Summit. Which, uh, by the way, was an amazing event. Uh, Bash University attended, and we got to meet the the movers and shakers, the the presidents, the decision makers, the owners of really every business that is moving our industry. And it was a it was really exciting opportunity. We got to meet so many great people, and the you know get get a little bit more connected with the folks at the ASA, which is. A fantastic organization that has really got the recreational anglers back, and you need to know that. And uh, it, it's it was 
impressive to watch them work and, you know, balance, uh, you know, environmental conservation with anglers' rights and rights to harvest. It's, it's quite a task. It involves laws and politicians and governmental agencies, and they're doing a great job. And I want to give them a shout-out, too. Uh, I want also to Gene Gilliland of uh, Bassmasters uh, for helping us. Uh, and you can see we have an article on Bassmasters.com right now about anglers' access rights. Uh, you know, if you're watching this show, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you get a lake blocked off. You can't get here. They don't want you to fish there. Well, we, we – as did the ASA in helping us combat this and getting us access, getting us access back to the waterways uh, that we as uh, fishing license holders uh, should be able to fish. So the, the fact that the big organization like that would get involved in a, in a, in a little battle that we have going on says a lot because they're, they're working on those little issues because they're so important uh, because if we can get shut out of a little body of water here, we could get shut out of anywhere. So um, ASA is really helpful in that. And there's so much going on in California and Florida and the rest of the country that they're involved with. So I appreciate them. And if you're a member of the ASA, highly recommend that you attend the ASA Summit next year. Uh, you'll find it, you know, extremely valuable. So if you know Ken Duke, he'll make sure you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah. Ken shout Duke. out to Ken Duke. Yeah, shout out to Ken Duke who paid me to say that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we love Ken. We miss you, Ken. And uh, it was great to see everybody uh, down there at the summit. We're glad to be back. Uh, we're excited to be talking fishing. And as always, uh, Jocelyn, we got some great prizes we're giving away. We do. So if you're over watching on Facebook, go like and share the feed, and you will be entered in a chance to win a champion's box. And also, we're going to do a trivia question at the end, and the grand prize includes Waterwood custom baits with a champion's box. So. There's a lot of opportunities. That's a, that's a high dollar, stuff. high dollar prize. So you want to pay attention. Sure and a bash do. you had too. And a bash you had. And a bash you had the highly coveted Bash University official hat. I'm wearing one right now. You can win one on the show. Rich, how are we going to do that? Are we going to ask a question based on what we learned from uh, the show today? We're going to ask a question about something involving fishing. We're not going to give away any hints yet, Pete. We're okay. going to have to be, but, but what you got to do is you got to stay dialed in. You got to watch the show, listen, take notes, sharpen your pencils, because we're bringing you the heat. That's right. And we're giving away the goods. So uh, we are brought to you by Tackle Direct. We are in Tackle Direct Studios, guys. And I want to invite you guys to go check them out. There's going to be a lot of great holiday stuff. And, 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 Write this down. On the 15th, we are going to be live from Tackle Direct, and we are going to be doing some really cool live promotions, talking about some products. Maybe have a few uh, good buying opportunities for you guys uh, on the 15th. So look for that. We'll keep you guys posted as we get closer to that date. Yeah, P. Quick note on that: our newsletter this week, uh, you'll be seeing you'll be seeing some. Interesting offers coming from Tackle Direct. I, you know, I'm a tackle junkie, so yeah. I find these deals. So I put some links out there to our membership, and they're going to love those discounts on some crankbaits. So check that out. Our membership loves discounts. Oh God, yes. <laughs> it pays to be a subscriber. Yeah. It does. If you're not saving money with Bass you, I don't know what's wrong with we, you. We all, we all, we all, we all love it. So get over there and get subscribed right now. We still, we still have our Halloween. 
promotion going yeah, Halloween on. Halloween promotions up. Save sixty bucks on an annual. You gotta love that. You get a tackle pack. You get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, missile baits, uh, baby D bomb, and some hooks. You're good to go. Texas rig chainsaw massacre. That's right. You get, <laughs> you you get that pun. Everybody <laughs> loves a good Texas rig massacre. <laughs> yeah. Setting the hook. Everybody yeah. does. I had big a Texas rod, rig line. massacre down the Chesapeake. <laughs> yes, you yep. did. I also wanted to mention to Hobie Eyewear with all their proceeds um, that they're going to do from the 1st to the 11th, they will be donating 10% of all their proceeds back um, to the veterans. So they're going to do, it's called the collection back to the warrior's journey. So if you... Um, go to our member benefits. You can purchase Hobie Eyewear sunglasses, and 10% of that will go to the veterans. Excellent. I love my Hobies, by the way. Like, I, I never I never thought that, you know, I would like glasses better than the brand I was wearing before. But honestly, I love them. They are so comfortable. The lenses are phenomenal. They float. Like <laughs> They float. They're, 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 light, they're yeah. lightweight. Yeah. You get no fatigue glass yeah, fatigue they're, they're pretty they're really really good they're, they're really really good glasses and they're really good at running uh too you know the yeah. the you know i don't get that that air infiltration where your eyes are watering so when you know you run to 70 miles an hour uh really really great glasses check them out at hobie eyewear and go over to if you're a subscriber we got some good stuff for you. Get over to Members Benefits page, and you can see that from Hobie Eyewear. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Cooper Gallant. We're going to be talking qualifying for the elites. How to do it? What's it look like for you next year? I can't wait to dive in. We'll be right back after this. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bash U family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil, they're made of marupa pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. 
We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. AquaView. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hooks set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Welcome back to Bashy Live. We were uh, talking a little bit off the air about, uh, uh, of course, uh, me going in the water again. But I, we, I got a chance to hang around with the, the neighbors on uh, Halloween, you know, and uh, everybody, uh, you know, went out of their way to express how much joy that brought to them <laughs> and laughter as the entire neighborhood, you know, uh, took advantage of that way. My one neighbor has a uh, big, giant outdoor screen, and uh, they, they're doing a Phillies watch party. Uh, we're all Phillies fans from around here, so they're trying to figure out how to get that uh, water incident on the big on their uh, on their big screen for for everybody's viewing pleasure. Yeah, that's sold out in, in 30 <laughs> minutes. Man, it was <laughs> epic. I couldn't even get one. It was gone. <laughs> couldn't even get one. Uh, high in demand costume. <laughs> Got to love it. Thank you very much, James Riley. I'm not. I'm not taking you fishing anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was classic. But uh, good stuff. Um, our, uh, I, I'm really excited to talk to this guest because he did something that was. It's really hard to do, and it's going to get harder. And he qualified for the Bassmaster Elites, and in, in, in his first attempt at uh, at doing it out on the Bassmaster Open. So, uh, so without any further ado, let's welcome him. Welcome him to Bass University Live. This is Cooper Gallant, Bassmaster Elite Qualifier. Hey, hey. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, loud and clear. Loud and clear. Even even hear that Canadian twinge come <laughs> accent coming out already. I don't have an accent, do I? 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I just a little bit. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But that's all right, man. We like the diversity. I'm impressed. You're in another uh, angler from the north, uh, coming down and just kicking butt and taking names, man. That congratulations. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a dream year, really. I mean, coming into this year, I had two goals. One is one was to win an open, and one was to to qualify for the elites. And super thankful it all ended up how it did, and I still feel like I've been punked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's pretty uh, that's pretty impressive to hit those two first yes. goals out out of the gate. May I suggest you know next year your goals should probably be to win all the elites and make the Bassmaster Classic and win it too. But you're so good at achieving those goals. Why not? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, is to win one and qualify for the Classic. Kind of the same as what it was in the Opens, but yeah. uh, it ain't easy. It's super hard to do, but I'm looking forward to the journey, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a dream of mine to fish the a year, to fish the Elites for many years now, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a fun journey, for sure. How, how you know you've been dreaming about this tell me about your your fishing background you know uh fishing like stuff like the canadian opens or uh are you fishing uh different what tournament trails did you fish to get yourself prepared and get your skill set so strong so i started tournament fishing when i was 13 i did the bass nation high school and junior program back here in ontario mm -hmm. and qualified to head south for the high school championship I think it was two or three times, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, we ended up winning the one on the St. Lawrence, and that was the tournament that kind of fueled the fire. And that was the tournament that made me realize that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and then shortly after that, I started fishing the Costa Series, fished a few Costa Series championships, again through qualifying back home. I did the Northerns a few years later. That was in 2018 or 2019. 2020 was the first year I hopped into the opens. Uh, that was kind of when COVID hit. I broke down on the first event and it was just super tough to cross the border. So I, I kind of just pulled out in 2020 and then did the Northerns in 2021 and then hopped in all nine this year. But uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it, it kind of all started when I was around 12, 13 years old fishing the Bass Nation stuff for sure. And, and uh Super thankful that I was introduced to tournament fishing at a young age. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been a crazy ride and still can't believe it. Dream come true. Well, take us back to that. Who, who, who was it that introduced you to fishing? Um, I'm not going to get into names cause there was a few people that did introduce me and I don't want to forget every, anyone, but, uh, I was super fortunate to grow up with people who had bass boats and they took me out fishing. Um, there's a big list and I really do appreciate everyone who did take me out growing up. But, uh, yeah. When you get the bug, you get bit by the bug. I mean, if you get it, you get it. And, uh, we, we just learned, uh, at our summit last week that it's kids that get, uh fishing before the age of 12 will be lifelong fishermen so uh you know and i know you 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 expressed your appreciation for the for the guys that took you fishing 
Uh, so, you know, I, I, I want to challenge everybody listening, you know, to get a kid out there and a and, uh, kid that might not ever get a chance to go fishing, and you might you might change a kid's life like yours got changed. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it only takes – you could take a kid out for half an hour, an hour, and like you said, it could change their life. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, uh, what? Tell me, how do you, you're how'd you get nine weeks off? What? What are you? Uh, are you? What job are you doing? Are you still working? Are you going to continue to work during the elites? How did you manage to to fish the elite or all nine opens this year? Yeah. So, grow like for the last ever since I started, I've I've worked full time pretty well, and that's another thing i just wanted to mention i i just want to thank all my bosses over the years <laughs> i was lucky enough growing up i didn't have an issue taking time off they were 100 percent supportive um and i'm super thankful for that because i guarantee you i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today if it wasn't for them um, i started doing it full-time two years ago when i jumped into the northerns and then so 2021 and 2022 i've been doing it full time and um yeah but big thanks to again my boss is growing up i would not be where i'm at today if it was for them wasn't for them um they let me take off even back home like growing up i used to fish 10 to 20 tournaments back home and they'd let me take time off all summer all fall all spring and uh yeah super thankful rich don't listen to this kind of talk. <laughs> Not every boss is that nice. Uh, unless you fish the same trailer. <laughs> I got, I got Division three. Yeah. <laughs> Division three. Well, so you're doing nine tournaments. That's that's quite a, a, a massive amount of, of tournaments to take on. Um, and, you know, that's that's another thing is the cost. Did you have you gone back and look? Because a lot of guys are staring at that this year. It's registrations are open right now. Guys are making their decisions on: Are we going to do one division? Are we going to do all three divisions? What what is what did he, I don't know if you've done the economics of it for yourself, but what what do you figure it costs to fish all nine events? Yeah, it's about. I mean, I do it pretty cheap. I bomb it out. I sleep in the truck a lot, and for me to do all nine this year still cost me about 50 grand wow wow that's a lot 40 40 to 50 grand 40 40 to 50 grand um and and that's doing a lot of sleeping in your vehicle so it can get higher than that yeah. when you're high maintenance like jocelyn you know <laughs> that that's, price is going to go way up dinner, <laughs> cooking on the coleman stove all week that ain't going out for dinner every night you know that's i'm out 40 years <laughs> You don't uh, have to worry about me, Pete. I'll, I'll stay right here. <laughs> you know that that commitment. Honestly, that's 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 what it takes, man. Yeah. You know, it yeah. takes sacrificing. Now, you know, some some guys got it pretty good, but the majority don't. You know, and that's what you did, Cooper. That's exactly what to me. That's an open angler. That's exactly what it's all about. That is an open you know? angler, and and I mean, every one of us. I I've slept in in my truck on many I occasions. I have too. For you sure. Know? It, it's it's part of it to make the sacrifice to chase your dream. I mean, it's just not going to be handed to you. Coop, how, how long have you been with the companies inside the industry that, that support you? Because I know you know you you have a relationship with G. Loomis and you have a relationship with uh, 
you know, some other companies, Exxon Lures. Talk a little bit about how you got to the point of where you're at with those companies as an opens angler, because, you know, you, you said you, you, you fish full time and that, that really is true because you spent the whole, you said last night when we talked, maybe six to seven months in the States this year um, and you fished full time. But, you know, without the, the companies that kind of give you some backing, it, it probably all wouldn't be possible. So, like, how did you get to that point just as an opens guy, not a qualifying pro? You you have some people supporting you um, in your journey. Yeah, it's um, like you said, I would not. There's zero way I could do it without sponsors. And uh, thankful for everyone who's believed in me from the beginning. My first sponsor was Mercury. Um, okay. I got on with them about four years ago and it kind of just all snowballed from there. Um, the biggest thing for me was videos and multi-species fishing. Um, I don't just tournament bass fish. I do a lot of multi-species stuff as well. We do a lot of videos outside of bass fishing. So that's really helped me as well doing the multi-species as well as bass. Um, but to be honest with you, I'd say the number one reason um, of me being able to build relationships with these brands is, is doing the videos, doing the social media and stuff like that. And then, you know, even going to the fishing shows, meeting people, I've been going to the fishing shows since I was about 11 years old. So, and to any kid watching this or anything, that is such a great way to get your name out there is just get to the fishing shows, show your face, meet people. And uh, you never know, five, ten years down the road, you might be working with them. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been super lucky over the past few years to gain relationships with these brands, and uh, it's it's been it's been fun. Your your and that's great advice. Uh, it really is on on that the sponsorship part of the program is uh, is really it's necessary, and you hear everybody talk about it. But the other side of it is what, which is obviously to the most important, the the fishing, uh, the fishing skill set. Like you're you're coming from a part of the country that, uh, you know, it doesn't have the the southern reservoirs. It doesn't have the Tennessee River style of fishing. How how are you able to overcome uh, and and learn those techniques so quickly? Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty lucky where we grow up. I mean, we have so many different styles of fishing here in Ontario. Like we've got lakes like Lake Simcoe that are deep, clear water lakes where you can catch them shallow. You can catch them deep come the fall. We have lakes like Lake Scugog, which is 40 minutes from Simcoe. That's muddy, shallow, big largemouth. Um, we have lakes up north that are tea stained. We've got rivers. We've got the Ottawa river that we can fish. We have, we have so many different bodies of water and so, so many different styles of fishing, wood, flipping milfoil, docks, fishing suspended fish out deep, deep largemouth, shallow largemouth, deep smallmouth. So the list goes on. So us as Canadian anglers, we're, we're lucky to have that wide range of different, different bodies of water. Our biggest challenge for sure is tidal fisheries. I love fishing tidal waters. I've never really done good on one. I think my best finish is like a 42nd, but next to that was on the James. It was like a 71. <laughs> and uh, 
that's that's our biggest challenge i think is is fish and tidal fisheries obviously just because we have none of that here in ontario you did but you did well on the bay didn't you you cashed a check oh yeah sorry i did catch them pretty good on chesapeake i think i ended up like 26 but other than that it's it's been a grind for me to to figure out the title deal but i really do enjoy it i really do well um you know we got to make a deal uh that's all I know is tidal water, right? We got a bunch of tidal water rats on this podcast. Yeah. You seem to have the rest of it under control. We got to make a swap. Borders open. Sounds Let's go. Good. <laughs> the border's open. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I love it. Do you guys have any tidal water on the Elite Series schedule next year? It's uh, a good question. Top of my head, I don't even know. Not the not the, the, the Texas the Texas oh, yeah, River. Sabine. We got the Sabine the, on there. Yep. Yep. That's it, I think. Cooper, out, out of the schedule right. next year, like which which one are you looking forward to the most? Say that again, Greg? I said out of the elite schedule next year, which one are you circling? Which one do you like the most? Um St. Lawrence. I'd probably have to go to St. Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but honestly I'm looking forward to them all. I like I like fishing new bodies of water and I kinda like exploring. That's one of my favorite things to do is is to go to a new body of water and 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 kind of figure try and figure it out uh i honestly don't like going like we have a bunch of derbies here back home and we go to the same places all the time and i, I like change i like going to, to new places that's yeah. great that's a great thing to like because is, uh yeah. yeah that'll help you be real successful with a shorter practice period and we were talking about that like you're um how was your practice periods were you we did you put a lot of time in, and how do you think that two and a half days is going to affect you? Because that's what you're going to get for the elites. Yeah, so there were certain tournaments where, like me being from Ontario, I'd be looking at the calendar, and it's I'm just trying to do the math with how much I'm going to spend in fuel versus how much I'm going to save if I just stay down here. So there was a few tournaments that were like kind of back-to-back. I would just go straight there um and spend i'll be honest there was a couple i spent eight days um but as far as the practice part of it goes four day i like four days if i'm there for eight i won't make a cast for four because as we all know fish are moving you don't want to figure something out too early in practice and kind of be stuck on that come the derby because chances are you ain't gonna catch them so i think if you are gonna spend more than five days practicing. Don't make a cast. Idle around. Get to learn the way around the lake. Like, uh, where were we? Ross Barnett? Yeah, Ross Barnett. It was a little sketchy, right? I've never been there before. I heard I heard there's a lot of wood and rebar and stuff. So <laughs> I went there for eight days. I spent four days just driving. Marking some trails, figuring out where I can get on plane, where I can't. And then... Uh, did four days practice and then Rayburn I spent five it was kind of all over the place it all depended on on where we were going to next and stuff like that when you talk about days practice how many hours a day do you get to practice I'm you can practice sun up to sundown that's what I usually do like if I if I'm out there for sunrise I ain't coming in till till that sun starts going down for sure love it definitely Sunrise to sunset. 
Josh, like yeah. uh, dark to dark, we always, always call it, it on our practice days. And, guys, I want to invite you. You're watching over on Bashy.tv. You got a question uh, for Cooper. Just uh, fire it on the IM board, and we'll pass it along. I think we have one, Jocelyn. We do. Um, hold on. Sorry. I lost it. Um, Kyle Patrick wants to know, if you could, would you throw a Demiki rig 100% of the time? <laughs> Kyle said that. <laughs> Probably. I threw it a lot in Texas, actually. That's when you know you're not on them. <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> well, that's uh, it, is Kyle one of your buddies from home? Yeah, I met him through. Uh, he fishes the opens as well. Okay. He did all nine. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Great, great question, Kyle. We always appreciate somebody busting chops on. Bash, you keep coming. Kyle, but, uh, or, uh, Coop, did you did you win Cherokee Demikian, or how'd you win that one? Uh, Demikian, and then I caught a few on a drop shot and a few up shallow on a swim bait, but 95% of the fish I caught were on a Demikian. So in, in Canada, is that something you guys do a lot of? No. Oh. No, I've actually never done it here. I've never done it at home. Um, I probably should start because they do eat it pretty good. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, that that win. Uh, take us take us through your big win, man. Uh, that you're using a Demiki rig and some other tools. Forward facing sonar was that your friend? Uh, ha and you you were doing that on smallmouth, right? Take us take us through that tournament. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. It's uh, right when I got there, I just kind of felt good. I liked the looks of the lake. I idled around a little bit, found some juicy little areas that I liked. And and to be honest with you, I started catching them pretty good pretty quickly. And usually when that happens, it's, you know, I don't like catching them right away. I like figuring them out on, like, the last day of practice. But uh, I started figuring them out pretty quickly. And, and I just expanded on it through practice. And from what I remember, we had a big warm front come in. And we were kind of on the verge of – having fish pull up to go spawn. Um, there was a lot of fish deep and it was kind of worrying me because I had a lot of schools out deep and then day one got canceled and, uh, I was a little nervous. I thought I was going to have to switch things up and go, go fish shallow just because I thought for sure they're going to start pushing up real quick. Um, dropped my trolling motor in on day one and the water temp was the same and I kind of got the chills because i knew i'd be able to catch them out deep to meeky rigging i was just fishing any irregularity whether it was a bald spot in the rocks uh notice will be bigger boulder rock veins that came off the bank close to where they might go push up and spawn i was fishing anywhere from basically 15 to 30 feet of water and i was just dropping the Demiki rig right on their heads um one thing i did notice in practice though and like even talking to buddies they were kind of kicking themselves, kicking themselves in the butt um, for not doing it. I was live scoping them, but you would never see them. They were so tucked to bottom and they're so tucked in between all the boulders. You wouldn't see them unless you dropped your Demiki rig down there. Uh, and then you would just see like 10 to 15 of them just rise off bottom. Mm. So I kind of figured that out pretty early and I was lucky enough to just kind of keep rolling with it and practice in the tournament and, and, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good event. I didn't I knew I was on fish to have a top ten. I I wasn't sure if I was on the right ones to win it, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy week and 
doing something that, that I love doing, fishing for smallmouth. Well, that was a great win, and you punched your ticket to the to the classic. Yes, you did. Uh, so that that's uh, that's got to be uh, super exciting. I mean, it's well, it's biggest thing in fishing. How, uh, tell me your thoughts on it. Are you are you did you move to Knoxville? Uh, <laughs> what's your what's your plans for the classic? So on the way home, I did stop there for two days just to drive around. Um, didn't make a cast. Just went to go see it. Mm-hmm. I've never been here before, so I just kind of wanted to get to know my way around. The and I'm looking forward to heading back down in March. It's a dream come true. It honestly didn't start to hit me that I made it until about, well, until I qualified for the elites. Because the main goal this year was to make the elites. Like, yes, the classic is unbelievable dream come true. But, man, I really wanted to make the elite. So throughout the whole season, to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about it a whole lot. The only thing that was on my mind was the elites. But once I qualified, the classic started to hit me, and it's starting to feel real now that I'm home, seeing all my friends and family, and I'm just starting to get everything in line for, for the 2023 20, season. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I've been, I've been to about six of them in the stands, watching, seeing all the other Canadian boys up there, Chris, Cor, Gassi, Mercer, and... Every time I'm there watching, just fuels the fire, and again, still feel like I've been punked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know where we were this year. I, I can't remember where the comment came from, but I remember Chris and Corey saying this year, prior to the year starting, they said Cooper Glant's going to make the Elite Series for 2023. So they they called it. So they must obviously believe awesome. in your talent and what you got, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So you take you took you you're responsible for t- taking some money from them <laughs> up up <Sure> north. <laughs> that's that's We're hard. back home. No, they they clean up pretty good back home. They're not <laughs> even allowed to fish a lot of dirt back home anymore. <laughs> that's good. Uh that's awesome. Mr. That, Higgs wants to know if you have any roommates for next year, or are you going to head solo and sleep in the truck all season? <laughs> I'm going to ride solo. Right. I uh, it's kind of all I've ever done. And it's it's somewhat worked for me, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride solo. I don't like the dog talk. I don't like really, to be honest. I don't really like sharing info. I don't I don't like getting info. It's screwed me over more than it's helped me in the past. And that's what I did this year for the opens. I kind of just did my own thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. keep rolling with it going into going into next year that that doc talk uh is is can be a problem big can, time. you know yeah, uh you up big time yep. yeah it, i mean how has it led you astray in the past i know it's real people don't understand they want to get all this information but getting too much information and especially wrong information it can send you sideways oh yeah it it makes you spin out like there was a few times growing up like through the high school stuff like we'd go down south for the the championship on Kentucky Lake, for example. I'd get some info. Me and my my tournament partner Danny, we'd get some info, but it never works. Not for me anyway. It's <laughs> like I said, it, it's hurt me more times than none, and uh, I end up just spinning out, and I end up doing something I don't even feel comfortable doing. And I think at the end of the day, in fishing, you need to do what your gut tells you to do, and you need to do with what you're comfortable with. Yeah, that's you very. Can't fish 
for someone else's fish. Yeah, that's good. Most guys, I think, can't recognize that. Yeah, because yep. like ultimately, like when you're gonna win a tournament or like you're gonna do really well in a tournament, you have to be in your own zone Agreed. and like mm. your own element. And like, I think one of the thing, like one of the biggest progressions is, as all anglers need to make is like understanding like okay i'm not in the zone at all right now or like i'm knocking on the door of like okay i feel like i'm starting to get dialed and like you know just ride that momentum but if you're relying on somebody else like if you're relying on other people to try to like put you into that zone it's never gonna happen yeah you're right? guessing yeah, yeah. You're just you, guessing. you gotta just yeah. get there on your own and be able to understand like when you're in that like that uh we had somebody on that talked about it before might have been an ike live show with block it maybe talk about like that flow state where like you get into like that rhythm and then everything you see is just like i'm gonna catch one there 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 right but if you know if if that's somebody else's information that's getting put into your brain you're you're really not going to get into your own Mm. your own flow yeah i agree i i agree with you and it's uh you know it's it's really tough because you can get the one thing I've found in is, you know, with roommates is even really, really talented roommates. It, yeah. it can be, you know, de- hard to deal with because the like Ike and I roomed for a long time and, and Ike would be on a pattern. I don't, you know, throwing a Demiki rig over boulders and he's like, hey, you know, I, I had 10 bites on it today and then I, I'm, I go out hard charging the next day to try to to Miki them off the boulders and and i'm like am i am i not doing it right i'm not catching them i'm not seeing them and then i get off the water that day and he's like oh no that pattern went away today you know so you spent you you invested like a whole day chasing really good information right but it it didn't you know you squandered a day instead of doing exactly what you're talking about coop which is listen you know listening to yourself um and and staying away from that doc talk and i especially and i in a young career in a young career how important that is to stay away from it and now i'll tell you i'll tell you this you know because you know i've been competing since the 1700s and um the uh when when you're you're young you have a tendency to really be influenced heavily not until you've had dozens of tournaments under your belt that you can start listening to that doc talk and picking and choosing the pieces of information that might be helpful to you. And uh, and that's what I've learned over the years. It's very hard to, to get through that uh, doc talk and get to the juice, you right. know. Yeah. But that's that's great advice. Of course, I might want to throw them with the Johnston brothers, man. They're sharing winnings and, you know, that, that might be helpful. You know those guys. <laughs> yeah. If they would share winnings with me, I might think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Divided Come. by everything by three now. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. Yeah. Come, yeah. On. Mm-hmm. Come on, Chris and Corey. I, you know, we'll send an application your way. Uh, <laughs> we want uh, somebody else might want to join the party. So th- you uh, now you've been successful on the Chesapeake. Uh, by the way, I want to talk about that last because I want to find out how you did that. Mm-hmm. But the but you were successful in Texas. You've had a lot of success in a lot of body, different styles of body of water. What would you say is your fishing strength? Um, I like getting off the bank. I think that's – I feel most comfortable off the bank for sure. Um, I love fishing the bank. I really do. But when it comes to derby time, I like being off the bank. I like looking at my electronics, whether I'm staring at my live scope, 
whether I'm idling around trying to find that spot on a spot or find a, trying to find a group of fish on a ledge or something like that. Um, but I, I definitely do love being off the bank. Offshore. You know, and, and so many of the younger generation is is that offshore angler. Uh, they're so good at their electronics. Jocelyn, uh, we have some questions for Coop. Yeah, we have a couple. Um, Coop, what are your top three techniques you like to use in a day in in day in and day out? Um, so for smallmouth, drop shot, Damiki. I love throwing a Carolina rig. I really do. Yes, yeah, that makes me happy. We're yeah, GDP great. too. Oh yeah. For largemouth and smallmouth, um, largemouth, flipping. So jig, punching, crankbait. Flipping and cranking. Very what good. a great combination for largemouth. I love the Carolina rig, man. I thought, you know, the especially it's great to see the the young guys uh, picking it up. Uh, I I just I love it. I know you love it too, GDP. But it's falling off the radar. It's good. Fall off. <laughs> yeah. Tell no one. It saved my butt a few times this year. That's 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 yeah. all. I mean, there's so many good things that, about that rig. It, it's such a good deep water application. Um, tell, talk to me about your Carolina rig setup and and what are the baits that you're you know using. I've got a couple of my faves. I'm. What are you putting on the as a trailer? Exxon just came out with a. Uh, it, they've had the adrenaline crop. They came out with a smaller version. I've been throwing it a lot. I've been getting a lot of bites on it, but I keep it pretty simple, honestly. Just weight, bead, swivel. I'm usually running, if I'm fishing for smallmouth, the sea rig, I'll run like a 16 to like a 12 lead. And it all depends what you're dragging it over and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, then when it comes to largemouth, I'll do 17 or 20 to to 15 or 17 again it, it all depends what you're fishing around and stuff like that but yeah it's uh it's a fun rig to throw there's definitely a time and place for it but it does get chewed you all fluorocarbon leader and mainline yep for the sea rig all floral yep me too same i i I'm, i mean i still i have a, a baby brush hog uh the water watermelon red is like one of my probably caught more sea rig fish for me than anything else. What are you throwing on the back of yours? I would say between what you just said and the speed crawl, they're the two. Speed crawl. Yeah. Speed yeah. Crawl. Yeah. That's a yeah, kill. Yeah, they eat the speed crawl good. Yeah, definitely. Cooper, are you, a, are you a brass guy or are you a tungsten guy on a sea rig or both? Uh, tungsten. Okay. I mean, honestly, a lot of the times I don't think it really matters a whole lot. I, you know, I just love talking about it because so few people even even talk about the Carolina rig. So I'm glad we got a chance to ask you that, yeah. Josh. What... Hey, uh, Pete, one more question on that. So, how, in your retrieve on the sea rig, are you pointing the rod right at it and bringing it back real slow with your reel, or are you sweeping it? I've seen it done a couple couple different ways. The guys down south that I had on the back of my boat a couple times, they're pointing the rod right out and just reeling it. Man, they schooled me. <laughs> they put five in a boat. Wow. in five I, minutes. Yeah, and Scott's I've never seen it done I'm like glad that. you asked that question because I'm a I'm I'm a sweeper. I like I use the rod to impart the action on the bait and feel the habitat, mm -hmm. and I reel the slack up, and then I I go again. What are you doing, Coop? I'm a sweeper too. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll sweep to the side. I'm not sweeping up. I'm doing more of a a sweep to the side, just like this. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. The guys pointing right at it were just like, seeing they feel something, they just pull straight up on it. You know? I've like, seen that before, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of interesting. Yep. It's like slow rolling a Carolina rig. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't I couldn't really slow enough. <laughs> the guy was an awesome uh, angler doing that on the back of the boat. It was pretty impressive to watch. Yeah. Awesome. Will you throw it shallow to deep, too? Like, like, will you throw it in some shallower stuff? Like, I'm talking, like, you know, five, six foot, or is it always deep water? Yeah, I uh, – on Ross Barnett, for example, I caught every fish in that event on a sea rig in, in less than five feet of water. Mm. I love this conversation. It's putting yeah. so yeah. many thoughts and ideas in my head of like, man, yeah. I think they would probably work here. It will work. I think they the do. biggest thing with the shallow is just adjusting your weight properly. You know, that's the only time I would, you know, downsize my weight tremendously right. just for, you know, impact reasons, quietness. Right. But like it half. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even smaller. A half it, and three-eighths. Yeah, it works tremendously good no matter what depth you're fishing. you or two for the shallower water? Uh, sometimes, I, but. I think it's I think it's just honestly, there's a. There's a set leader length that I think you can get comfortable with yeah. that I think will work everywhere as you go. Right. But I do think there is times where longer versus short does make a difference sometimes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was so cool to see uh, Schmitty uh, get the W up at the Mississippi River throwing a Carolina rig on the on the grass edges. That was yeah. that was cool. And, and that's to what your, this conversation is making yeah, me think about. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I've, I've used the shallow rig. Uh, here where we fish a lot. We used it for a lot of years. Um, but Jocelyn, I know we got a few more questions. We do have a few more. Um, Chris wants to know, do you have a go-to bait to throw when you are in a new body of water? What's your What's your bait you use to cover water? Bait I use to cover water? Probably a chatterbug. Very nice. Love that. Chatterbug with the next zone swammer on the back of there and just hawk and wind it around. It all depends where... <laughs> where we're at but uh yeah chatterbug's a, a fun little bait to throw around um top water that's a again yeah it all depends but i do like throwing that little chatterbug around chatter bait that's i call it one. a chatterbug yeah yeah i call it a chatter daddy we all, we, got a, we all got a little pet name for that dude mm-hmm. uh it, it's a powerful weapon for us all but you're you're you have experience right you've done a lot it's got to be some areas that you you don't feel comfortable what like what areas uh like this year do you think you need to improve on or feel like is might be your weakness that you gotta you gotta work on to be competitive on the elites yeah so one thing i haven't done and i've done it just not a whole lot not as much as i'd i'd hope to have and that's bed fishing for largemouth Mm. um I love doing it. I've done it on fork and stuff like that. It's it's fun. I enjoy doing it. I like looking at I like looking at them. Um, I grew up fishing in the streams for trout, constantly looking at the rainbows swimming in the river. So I like looking at them just like I do the smallmouth. Um, but that's probably one thing that I think I need to improve the most on. Yeah, that that's crap. The guys from the south get to have five months a year where they get to practice fishing for bedding fish. Right. And yeah. we, we get it for about two and a half weeks. Yeah. yeah. We don't get it. Not for largemouth. Like you can catch a few here and there, but you ain't seeing too many largemouth on beds here by the time our season opens up. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You have the closed season, so yeah. you're not even allowed to practice. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's Lake right. of the they're, Isles, you could go in there for a while. They get but. enough uh, of looking at smallmouth up there on the St. Lawrence <laughs> River. Believe mm-hmm. you, we, we know we, we know what goes on up there, but that's a totally different beast. <laughs> I mean, we're yeah, staring yeah. through traffic cones when we have $10,000 worth of electronics on our boat. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let me offer you some advice. Um, we go to the Bash U, and you got to look at Drew Cook's uh, sight fishing seminar. It uh, it is probably uh, the best sight fishing seminar that I've ever heard delivered, um, and he delivered it for us uh, just this year, and then he went and won at Santee Cooper using those exact <laughs> exact strategies and techniques um, to be and and believe me, I, I mean I've fished one. with some great sight fishing guys. I don't count myself in that crowd. GDP's really good at it. Um, but you know, but I've try, I've learned from uh, Shaw Grigsby and uh, the the greats that really revolutionized that technique. And yet, Drew Cook teach does it in a way that is that is pretty impressive. So so make make sure you check that out, and uh, he'd be certainly a good guy to get in a boat with. But that's one of the things I had learned from him, and and, and it's crazy, Coop, that 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 it's like five months a year they're practicing that technique yeah. you know starting in december yeah it's crazy they just keep coming and coming and coming and yeah. e- every full moon it's a yep. all right let's let's uh get just, another practice round in go to florida this winter Pete, yeah, move the studios we got yeah. our studios down in south carolina we might as well take the rest of us yeah, down to florida head on down to florida come on all right <laughs> five months here we come <laughs> uh well that's that's awesome jocelyn do we have any more yeah. arms Charles wants to know, uh, do you come down south to fish during the winter? If so, what are some of your favorite lakes? Um, so during the Oba, I don't come down a whole lot unless there's a derby. Um, the last few years I have been, like, just because the Opens have been starting there. Uh, so, yeah, like this year we started off on the Kissimmee Chain. My favorite lake down there would probably be Toho. I love Toho. You got all that offshore grass. You can fish. You can kind of do a little bit of everything out there. And and uh, Toho, honestly, it fished a little bit like a lake we have back home called the Bay of Quinney. And it's got all that offshore grass. So I really enjoyed fishing Toho. It's got shell bars, stuff like that, where you can drag the Carolina rig over. And, uh, yeah, probably Toho is one of my favorites for sure down south. That's one of my favorites, too. Uh, yeah. the, the, that, that's the Kissimmee chain and, uh, it, it's, it's a great fishery that and Okeechobee, I think are, uh, well, I don't know about Okeechobee lately. I've been hearing some bad reports on it, but over the years, Okeechobee has fished un- more unlike a Florida lake than, uh, a lot of the other lakes that we fished over the years. But I, how do you feel about Florida, Florida fishing? Are you comfortable? Like I know Ike you know, screams and cusses at them Florida strain fish and and uh, the Florida tournaments. Do you feel comfortable competing in Florida? Yeah, I do. I'm looking forward to it. Believe it or not, we have a lot of lakes within an hour of my house that look like Okeechobee, that look like Toho, that look like the Kissimmee Chain. Um, a lot of people don't realize that or would even think that, but we have a lot of lakes that look very similar to a lot of the lakes in Florida. Awesome. Just at like so, the complete yeah. opposite side of the calendar. 
What's that? It's like at the complete opposite side of the calendar, right? Like in, in Florida, when you guys are there, it's like February usually. But like I'm guessing that those lakes up there in Canada probably start looking like that in what, July, August? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. June, yeah. July. Got to yeah. got to wait for that grass to grow. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Ike Live show on Sunday night, but we uh, I got to ask this question: How many Sasquatch sightings have you had <laughs> up north of the border? Never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same. <laughs> What's that, Koo? So I haven't seen one yet. Yep. Yep. Me, myself, either. you. GDP? I have seen one. You've seen one? I've seen something. I don't know if I've seen one, but I've seen something. <laughs> what did you see? I saw it in Florida. I saw it in the St. John's River. Well, explain. I don't describe know. That it. was a monkey, dude. That was probably a It wasn't no gorilla. monkey, dude. This thing, was, this thing was bigger than a human. Really? Yeah. Well, dude, it probably was a human. Have you ever seen some of it? <laughs> and, and, and I'm not going to argue that. I can that. say it. could have been. I could have been. Dude, I'm telling you, you see some of them, they take their shirt off. You're like, good gosh, yeah. what creature are you? It was something. I, don't I know. think it's because you don't drink enough water. You were uh, a little dehydrated. You might be right. Uh, <laughs> you might be right. You're operating on on pasta and like honey buns and no water. Pasta is very good. Soda. <laughs> and yeah. soda, for sure. And, and soda. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, well, what, at the gas station, did you see this creature? No, Where did so you see I, this creature? I'm way back in the middle of nowhere in the St. John's on a long canal. It's all idle down there because of Manatee Zones. I'm literally idling through this canal. And this is a God's honest true story. I don't ever lie. So, like, I'm going down there. I look over in the woods, and I, I, I see something. I like, was Lee Livesey. It could have been Lee. It was that size <laughs> of a man. I look over in the woods, and I, I see this giant creature, man-like looking thing, like literally just sitting against, like, a big, giant, like, stumpy log thing. And, like, as fast as I could double take, like, I looked back instantly and, like, you know, the tree line kind of got there. So I put it in reverse real quick, and I'm like, it wasn't there anymore. And I was like, what the heck was that? So anyway, so I keep idling down this canal, and I go for, like, maybe another five miles, and there's a big sign hanging on a tree, and it said Swamp Ape Sighting with the people's name, two guys, in 2017 on the sign. And I was like, no freaking way. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I have it on my – I can go back probably in my stories and find all this stuff from Bass because I tagged Bass Nation in it. But, like, I was like, man, it, it had to be it. Mm-hmm. You know? Swampy. Yeah. yeah. It was just – I heard of that. Yeah, it was so, like, random. To then to see that sign, I'm like, no freaking way. <laughs> yeah. How funny story. would it be Confirmed if they, like, if they like, pay someone to go out there and, like, hide and, hide. Yeah. Out and say, hey? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah, right. Uh, that has been done before. But um, no, that's that's funny. Yeah. I have now. I have never never seen one, not yet. But uh, a lot of people have. We were talking about it uh, on the show. But I I want to talk about. Uh, you came down to the Chesapeake and took a check in a tough, tough, tough fall tournament on a tidal water, which you you know comment that's a tough one for you. How how did you pull that? Because we're we're we love that body of water. How did you? What was your patterns down here on the Chesapeake? How did you pull that off? How would I pull it off? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I ended up, I had a terrible practice. I, in four days of practice, I, I think I caught five fish. Right. Like caught three and shook two. I think that's what it was. That's about, was on, that's about on pace. Yep. For that week. <laughs> a lot of the stuff I went to, like I felt good. It looked good. Mm-hmm. I had the right ingredients. I just couldn't get bit. Like that one big flat, the Sasquahana flats, I think is how you say it. Yep. It it looked gorgeous. And you can see them suckers swimming around everywhere. Big ones. 
Like I saw multiple 15 to 20 sacks out there, but I could not get them to bite. I'd leave for a couple hours, come back, stay back, lighten up my line a little bit, throw some little finessey little things at them and just couldn't get them to bite. And then I'd be like, oh, there's no way they're there. I'd go up and right where I was casting, some suckers are sitting right there. So I abandoned that real quick. Like I need to find some fish that I actually want to chew. So I found this one grass flat very close to the mouth, mouth of the river. I had one bite there in practice and I shook one. And I ended up staying there the whole tournament. I just figured it was a big enough area and I didn't really pick it apart in practice. So I started there on day one. I caught like a four and a half on a chatterbug. And I kind of just told myself right away, I'm like, it's a big enough area. It looks good. The grass is gorgeous. So I, I hunkered down there for two days straight. I don't even think I pulled my trolling motor up once. And I think I caught four fish a day. But they were pretty decent ones. And yeah, just just one of those deals where I thought I was better off just to hunker down rather than run around. And yeah, run around with my head cut off trying to catch a couple keepers. So that's good. That yeah, worked out. I had some fun at that one. It uh, turned out a lot better than I thought. That was a great move. I mean, uh, but I think the biggest move was he showed a lot of, uh, um, I, you know, maturity, I, I would say, in those fish that you were seeing and not being able to catch because that throws a lot of people for a loop on that body of water because it's, it's got so many big ones, and you can see those 20-pound bags swimming around. And I, I honestly, after fishing down there for so many years, I, I can't be definitive, and I'm – wonder what your opinion is on the GDP, but, like, I always felt like later in the season you get the, the more drought-like conditions, so the, the salt water infiltration kind of comes up into the into that part of the waterway, and they get crazy eyes. That's what I call it because they're just they're just really, really challenging to catch. I, I felt like it was the, the salt water that does it. What do you think? I just think it's it, – and it, it's probably a combination of that, but, like, it's just that, that fall funk. Where they just they just won't commit right. because yeah. because once once the fall kicks in I was just talking to Riz about this once the fall kicks in out there them fish that are out there they eat yep. yeah you know and they eat prior to the fall funk right you mm-hmm. know so I think it's just that time of year uh, where you can go and you can probably find some aggressive fish one thing about that upper bay is them fish that are uh, constantly being weighed in I think they're the same fish being caught over and over they're aggressive fish they're they're fish that will eat all times of the year you know where some of them fish in the flat they're just part of that population that just doesn't eat right you know right they don't eat lures lures Lures. yeah Yeah. (laughs) seriously i'm being serious i mean that's 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 what i think so like you just said making that move coop and you know i kind of think i know where you're at just by talking about like that's a gray area once the fall starts to kick in a little bit where you were it can be phenomenal once it gets this time of year on well it's that kind of maturity making those kinds of decisions which are uh are are gonna man keep you competitive because you're You're about to go into a firestorm with some uh, some super talents, but I got to be honest. I, from your track record, I I think you're ready to go. Yep, I do too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate. It. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of beasts on the elite series, but I'm looking forward to just getting out there doing my own thing and hoping I can catch them. Just gonna take, you know, one event at a time and and enjoy it and uh, do my best and go have some fun. Have you has Dave Mercer reached out to you on this yet? Yeah, he called me 
he called me the day I qualified right after, after Hartwell there. And that's awesome. We chatted for, for a few minutes. He's, he's pretty stoked. And obviously I'm pretty stoked. I've been, we've been chatting about it for the last few years of how bad I want to be up there. And it's going to be crazy. Just like the first event of the year, actually being up there with him and, and talking to him. I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous as to, to what nickname he's going to give me, but he's good, man. He is, he, you know, oh, yeah. there, there's not a better guy for mm-hmm. that job. He is just, you know, you know what the best part Perfect. about Dave is he's the same guy on stage mm-hmm. as he is off the stage. That's yeah. why I like Dave Mercer so much. It, it's impressive. It, it, and we watched him this year at the elites because uh, we were down with the Bash University uh, booth at a lot of them and uh entertaining as hell it really does an amazing job and i told him that when i saw him because i hadn't been on site for a while just to watch and yep. uh he just commands that crowd and i know he's thrilled to have another canadian amongst the ranks mm-hmm. out there you will feel the love i promise you <laughs> <laughs> and here comes cooper and greg De Palma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. Uh, you'll get a little preferential treatment, but that's fine. That's that's great. And uh, those uh, those people that want to follow you and, and check out your your work on social and your video work and your multi species stuff, how can they do that? Yeah, so just YouTube. The multi species stuff's called the Road Trip. We do five episodes a lot of years. So we just kind of travel to all over the place. This year we went to Northwest Territories. We, we've done BC. And just scratch on that next fishing adventure off the bucket list. We go to places we've never been, fish for new species. So that's the road trip. That's all on my YouTube channel. Just type in my name, Cooper Glant Fishing. And then the Elite Series Chase, which is no longer the Elite Series Chase anymore. For next year, it's going to be called just the Chase. So I'll be filming and documenting all nine Elite events, plus the Bassmaster Classic, behind the scenes, on the water, and... uh yeah, just kind of showcasing what it's like to to fish derbies and and uh, yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, just typing my name on both Instagram and YouTube, Facebook, Cooper Glant Fishing. Awesome, very nice, great. Well, I'll be watching. Can you say Susquehanna again for us? Susquehanna, <laughs> <laughs> Susquehanna. That that was horrible. Oh, come on, that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, uh, I love it. The Susquehanna Flats. Of course, we we've got our uh, Philadelphia and Jersey accents. So uh, we gotta have Gussie <laughs> say it because he has the biggest accent. I think of all the guys. Is that right? I think so. Uh, Gussie, yeah. me. What's that? Gussie has the biggest accent. I think so. Like Gussie. Well, I don't say biggest accent, but it comes to pronunciation. Yeah. I think Gussie is probably the worst. <laughs> That's just how it seems. <laughs> well, we look forward to watching you. Um, you know, on on the YouTube stuff, uh, we're gonna follow you. I love it. It's called it's called the Chase, um, and we're, I'm, I can't wait to watch some of those episodes and see how you do this year. Want to wish you the best of luck and best of luck at the Bassmaster Classic this year. Um, you know. Very few rookies have won, but it has been done. And uh, I'd love to see you take a stab at doing that and uh, wish you the best of luck. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I had fun, and hopefully we can do it again in the near future. I, I, look, I look forward to that, man. First uh, Elite Series win, man. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'd, love, we'd love to see that and have you back on or just 
sometime down the road next year, just check in with you to see how the chase is going. And uh, and thanks again so much. Cooper Gallant, the champ, the Elite well Series qualifier. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. All Have right. a good one. You okay. too. You too. And uh, what, what a what an exciting time. Do you remember uh, – the your rookie year oh i can't forget it how did how did that feel like well, you're sitting in his shoes right now getting ready to take on that trail i i i can't even express it like i the first time i walked on stage i mm. told dave mercer i said i need a second like, i literally needed a second cause, yeah. like just to suck in all mm. the dreams you've ever had about being on that stage is it's real man it's yeah. freaking unbelievable it if is you're chasing it trust me it's worth it <laughs> yeah <laughs> put it that way well, it's yeah. uh it's a thrill I you know, it's a thrill of a lifetime and he's yeah. about to undertake it and um you know, the enthusiasm, the anticipation, the excitement, just being able to fish for a living, it's yeah. just uh it's it's a dream come true. And uh what what a great what a great story being able to do it in his first year fishing all the open so and getting a W on top of that. Yes. We're going we're going to take a I guess a quick break and then we're going to come back we're going to give away some prizes and uh talk about some other cool stuff and uh we'll uh Riz we'll be right back Go after like this. Go like and share. Go like and share. That's right. We got a Facebook right. like and share contest mm -hmm. going on guys uh for a champions box so go do that while we're away. We'll be right back. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the South Rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers, to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the South Rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. 
one-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. AquaView. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Welcome back to Bass University. Uh, Riz, I want you to check this out because I don't think you've seen these new Hobies yet. But these are the Huntington um, from Hobie. And the really cool part about it is they've got interchangeable lenses. So, you know, when, when you're bright light and super sunny, uh, you want the mirrored frames to be able to cut and penetrate. And you, got, you, have, a sim you have a lever right here which allows you to pop that lens out. And then you can simply pop it back in, right, and change the lens. You go from that's a great idea. From that to uh, your Sightmaster Plus, which is your sight fishing lens. Amber, super good in low visibility situations. Uh, and the lenses, and they've got this really cool case where you can have a variety of your lenses so you can change in any condition. Uh, so check these out. These are the Huntington uh, glasses by Hobie. Uh, I really like these. These are pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. Save you a ton of money, too. Save you a ton. Yep. Right? You get one pair, a variety of lenses. Yep. Good-looking shades, too. They are yep. nice looking. They have really good uh, women's sunglasses, too. I love mine. I, I wear mine every single day. <laughs> I love them. Very nice. That's awesome. Do you know what pair? What I had the Maywood ones. The Maywood. Um, yeah, they're they're like the tortoise one, I believe. Okay. So I really like them. Awesome. The Maywood uh, glasses, uh, check them out by Hobie Eyewear. Guys, if you're a subscriber, you get a great opportunity to buy Hobie Eyewear at a tremendous price. So go check it out. Um, we released GDP, lipless cranking. Or, and, you know, and you check this out. It just dropped today. Guys, it's available to view. 
But one of the things that I liked uh, about, because I, you know, I was in attendance during this seminar, is how early in the season you like to throw that bait. A lot of guys don't even take it out till much later in the fall. I agree. I, I think uh, there's a lot of techniques in bass fishing, and it's not just on lipless, but there's a, there's a lot of movement that happens early mm -hmm. prior to. I think that most guys would even consider, and a lipless falls in that category for me because. Uh, if you guys are, you know, depending where you're at in the country, the bait movement happens way before I think most people even realize it. They start to group up the fish, get Man, on them. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, and I've experienced it all over the country, especially like, you know, August, late July, even that far back where it starts to happen. Like, And if you can recognize it and kind of do some of the stuff we talked about, you will catch fish that nobody is catching. I, I've always thought this. Let me know what you think. I I think the length of day is as important, if not more important, than water temperature as far as moving bait around. I think that is the, the key factor. They for sure. they feel the day's getting shorter, yep. and they start moving. Yep. Whereas anglers, we're always looking at water temperatures. Oh, it's it's only it's still seventy degrees. They can't the bait can't be moving yet. Yep. You know, it's, but it's, the, it's, it's the days are shorter. That's that's their light switch. I think so too, and, and it's the same like. Uh, you know, there's we, we talk about it in the video a little bit. You know, I talk about a lot of us, we walk outside, and, and it's like, you know, in the summertime, it's it's just consistent across the board. Once you get towards that late summer and you start to have a, a day where you walk outside, and you might not even notice it, but it just takes a little bit of a change, mm -hmm. and it starts to make the system move, it seems like. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's great stuff. You got you to gotta check this out. I, I'm, I love throwing a lipless, and I watched Greg – fish it differently and better in 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 the in ways that i didn't think about and that's available on bash U. we've got amazing content that we that's coming ike ike's shallow mid-depth and and deep fishing a fluke uh really uh a really great seminar about that tool uh it's, it continues to deliver bites people love to fish that fluke and it's not talked nearly enough, but a lot of guys, a lot of pros are using that weapon. So you want to check that out. That was released last week. Brian Schmidt's grass fishing uh, trio of, I mean, he's the grass master. He's got to be, you know, arguably the best grass fisherman on tour right now. And uh, he te he's teaching us about a swim jig, a lipless or a, a vibrating jig and largemouth with a drop shot, I know you don't want us to release this seminar, but a large drop shotting largemouth in the grass. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, man, it, it completely insightful. And Brian has uh, just become such an exceptional teacher. I guess it's become spending so much time in the limelight. but uh, <laughs> Whatever it is. It, whatever it is, but he's become an exceptional teacher. And uh, and so that's all coming. We got, we got a lot more coming. Riz, you were just on a – on a video shoot down at Watts Bar. That's right. We uh, we had the privilege of spending some time with Brandon Coulter, Fred Rumbanis, James Watson, and John Murray down on Watts Bar. And we got some amazing stuff with them as well. Uh, some some really standout type of content. James Watson spoon fishing, we actually got to see that demonstrated, which was pretty amazing, the way he fishes a spoon in and around cover, specifically marinas. Um that's really his wheelhouse. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of what James is known for. And he put that thing to work, and he can put that spoon so far back into a dock slip, as some would say, where the cobwebs are. Um, that was really, really incredible. Uh, we talked about uh, 
downsizing your topwater baits for all year long, not just the fall, but downsizing topwater baits with John Murray. That was uh, an amazing seminar. You know, every topwater bait you can imagine, we talked about how you can how you can downsize it from walking baits to poppers to little tiny buzz baits. Uh, we had some awesome stuff with Fred Roombanis, um, the different ways to fish a swim bait, um, which is the line through and the weedless swim bait. He demonstrated not only how to rig it, how to throw it, but the types of habitat he looks for and, you know, why one is a better application than the other and talks about all the sizes uh, that you can throw in swim baits as, as well, which was pretty amazing. And then with Brandon Coulter, um, we were kind of on his home lake, and he really schooled us up on, you know, downsizing baits specifically for the fall in this one and why downsizing baits in the fall is so important and what, you know, what the reasons are for that and the ways it gets you some extra bites. And he he did that. He, he, he downsized a – actually, it was a downsized spinner bait. It was a little tiny finesse-style – spinner bait new from berkeley that he's been messing around with and uh he really caught him good on that so it was it was it was nice to see uh how those applications work really well in the fall so all that stuff's going to be coming out you know we're we're gonna do our best to get it edited get it through the suite with our man the wizard jeff olson and you can catch it on bash utv all it's all going to be released uh you know every every week you're going to see an on water and a classroom seminar from bash university uh, so get yourself subscribed. If you're still watching it on uh, Facebook, we've got a like and share contest going on. But we're going to open up. A, so like it and share it, and you'll get entered in to win uh, one of these boxes, which we're going to open right now. Check out what's in what's inside. This is a champion's box. Uh, speaking of which, Bobby Lane. We just talked about. He's a champ. He's a champ. Yes, he is. Bobby Lane. On, and uh, the the the. The baits that are in these boxes are awesome. They're they're the baits that the guys that are winning tournaments and doing well with uh, are all using. And I got one right here, which is a, a downsized uh, topwater bait. So I'm going to take that one out as I pass it around. Oh, I already we know just, which one I'm taking. <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about that. Uh, this is a Mach K um, and downwater topsized bait, which is a, a little popper. It's in between, uh, you know, something that – I. I like to use, you know, the the Rapala baits are uh, they have a bigger model. This is a little tiny small one, uh, which is really uh, really cool. When the bait fish are small, the color is black, very visible, cool bait. Very nice. Yeah, I can't wait to try that black one out. It's going to be pretty sweet. Yep. Yep. Love that color. What do you got? I'm I'm picking the top toad. If you guys have not thrown a Stanley <laughs> top toad, like it is the buzz frog because you can literally stop this frog, work this frog, and then continue to retrieve it. It's a bad dude for a a, 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 saw, a saw frog for sure. Yeah, I've caught a lot awesome. of fish on let this me, thing. Let me see the top toad. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rich. What are you picking? Well, got to get my hands on the box. Jocelyn, you're allowed to pick too if you want. So the top toad is that's the ribbit, okay. So if oh, you, look at that. it's if a you, hollow body. I'm telling you, Pete. Like I started throwing this on Champlain like four or five years ago. Yeah. Oh boy. Mm. I'm not saying too much, but if you if you fish the upper bay a lot, you might want to be throwing it. Interesting. Yep. Because it's, it's it, a different. It's a different animal as far as a, a soft frog goes. So it's gonna it's gonna it's it's a hollow belly. So it's gonna float, it stay floats. on top of the vegetation. But you got the these these boot tails. Are um, like there's like the the finesse toad, which I call it the finesse toad, which is like the horny toad, mm -hmm. right? And it's got a a light 
presence on the water, but these boot tails make a lot. So big big time bubble trail. And the difference with this versus a horny toad, the hookup ratio is really good. Okay. It comes with its own hooks. I'm not sure if this one has it. Yeah, this one's got the hooks on it. Oh yeah. So I mean I I'm gonna say it's it's high ninety percentile yeah. hookup ratio. It's really good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great frog. And you can stop it and work it too, which is the cool part about this frog. It comes with the dual yep. hook. And okay. and and you hardly ever wear these out. They'll last yeah. a lot of fish catches. Awesome. Yep. There's, there you go, Stanley. Little, little punch for you there. The ribbit. Awesome. Cool. What do you got, Rich? I'm going with the V&M pacemaker jig, man. Tried and true. It's a uh, it's a green pumpkin jig, black head. Um, looks like a really versatile jig. It looks like you could swim it, flip it, pretty much do everything you want with it. Quarter ounce, nice slow fall. Hey, you can't go wrong with a jig. Jig catch, jigs catch big fish, so. I'm going with the uh, V&M pacemaker jib. Shout out, shout out to Cliff Pace. He's uh, really got a really funny Instagram page. If you haven't looked at it, it's <laughs> quite good. Is it really? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah believe different. it or not, he's like probably the last person you would ever expect for that. But he's got a uh, he's got a guy that he does videos with that is um, similar to that style of like an Ed Bassmaster. <laughs> it's uh, he different. It's, 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 it's really, really, awesome. really funny, Cliff. You're doing a good job on your page and cliff also makes a lot of other baits as well yeah he's, he's a crankbait guy balsa yeah, crankbait, yeah. Big time so, guy. check him out black but label anyway v&m pacemaker yeah. i like it sweet scott you well, got something over there oh well, it's fall we're gonna go on top water right livingston a uh, walking boss jr right i think this, this this is a great lure get a little sound action as well but the cool thing about these champion boxes man is we really get some quality high-end lures the, i mean this thing's like 12 13 bucks you know retail and you're getting this with all the other uh, baits in the box um and they do a um a little live show on their website too like if you want to check it out they have the pro in come and talk about the lure uh specifically so yeah can't beat it sign up champions box how do they do that scott uh, it's uh they put it out about a week after they mail the boxes and then they uh have the pro in no so how do, how does a person sign up for it Oh, okay, you easily. You just go to uh, the Champions Box on the ML site, yep. or uh, we'll have a link on our site here shortly, yep. and we're going to enter you into a prize pack, so you might get an extra box with extra baits if you sign up with BashU. Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Check out the Champions Box, and we're going to give one away right now. Jocelyn, do we have a like and share winner? We sure do. Da -da 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 -da. Johnny Lawson. Johnny Lawson. All right. Awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. I like his I like his uh his his caption too for yeah. his shared post. Let's start learning. What yes. it is, man. All about it. Uh, we're with you. Sweet. We're with you, Johnny. Appreciate you liking and sharing uh the post. And we're gonna give away a grand prize. Yeah, we are. Which has some Waterwood custom baits and as well as a champion's box and they are awesome crankbaits by the man, way man it's quite it's quite a quite a package what's the question Rich? all right so uh on the show um cooper made mention to which tournament it was that he won that made him realize that professional bass fishing is what he wanted to do uh what tournament was it and what year uh was that tournament in that cooper won and made him realize that professional bass fishing is absolutely what he wanted to do Good Lord. That's a tough question. Who's paying attention? You got the answer to that question? I do. You do? I think so. You also need the year, right? Yep. He said okay. the year. By the way, I want to give a, a special shout-out to Brandon Coulter, 
uh, who invited DeBash University down to Watts Bar to uh, participate in his uh, media event. Thank you very much, Brandon. Uh, shout out, uh, give give a hi to your dad, Rich. Uh, did you, you know uh, Brandon's dad, Rich Coulter, was uh, the champion boat rep oh, yeah? in our region and signed me my first boat deal. Very cool. Back in uh, 1796. Wow, they had boats back then. Yeah, they did. I thought they were all wooden yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, the, the Romans had. <laughs> they worked by sail, you know. <laughs> sail. But, uh, yeah, that was a long time. He took me on the flat. As a matter of fact, I think this was my interview. Uh, we went out on the flat striper fishing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and back, you know, before there was, you know, any kind of restrictions on it, you could just, anybody could fish. There was thousands of boats out there, and we'd, we'd go out there, and we'd catch 100 stripers mm. each. At least we did that day. Wow. And some some were like 30, 40 pounders. Oh, man. Not a lot, you know, but one or two, yeah, you yeah. Know, those big giant That's females. Real big. I'll never forget that one. One of the fish that I caught that day was probably two pounds and uh, maybe three pounds. You know, a lot of those males. And a 50-pounder tried to eat it. Like a strike just came right up to the boat. Wow. And just, just rolled and wow. and tried to get it, you know. Like, uh, yeah. It's it's crazy, you know. When the we're blessed with uh, striped bass population that run up and down uh, the bay that we fish, and uh, of course Brian Schmidt runs a charter uh, to take people fishing for striped bass. Brian Schmidt year. should start a lawn business, not a not a striper charter business, because mm-hmm. like he'd have the greenest grass possible, <laughs> right? He would. He's the grass master. He right? is the grass master. <laughs> Man, that should be the name of his business. Schmidt's Greens. Yeah. When yeah. are those swim jig are videos coming out on him? They're pretty soon, right? Very, very soon. I'm um, excited about that. I don't have the calendar sitting right in front of me, Let but it. we're going to be releasing them real soon. One of the, you know, this is this is. I'm glad you brought that up, Scott, because one of the things that Schmitty talks about is the influence of his striper trips on his freshwater fishing, in particular his baits, like his swim jig. He spends a lot of time talking about the eye and the importance of the eye. I've heard this. On the swim jig. I've heard this with baits. It's crazy. Yep. Like, uh, you know, you could, and uh, this is just one of many. I'm going to give this one away, but the the convex nature of the eyes that he uses hmm. capture light at, at a many, many different angles. So it's different from a, a stuck, like a pasted on flat eye or, you know, or just painted on. Um, it's purposefully, you know, purposefully selected so that it gives the maximum light from all the different angles. His, his jig, it's a tremendous. It's a Hayabusa swim jig. They call it the Little Smitty. Yeah, it's good. And, uh, yeah, you, you watch this seminar, you're going to have a tackle box full of them. He does sure. a lot more than just low and slow. Too. Yeah. You know, he's known as the low and slow guy, but you know, there he's cool. doing a lot more. Yeah, there. you if you're if you're struggling with grass fishing, this series is gonna be for you. It'll change the way you think about it. We got a winner over there? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, we got close? We're seeing, we're seeing the right place, we're seeing the right year, but we just it's not together. It's not yet. together. Not together. I had a I had a really cool fish catch yesterday. What'd you get? So I pulled a double yesterday. Nice. And I'm I'm literally fighting the one fish in, and I, I get the fish up, and I can see the fish coming to me. And as I – right in front of the troll motor, and as I see it coming, another one crushes the oh. the bait also. 
and I hook both of them, and now they're down there intertwined together, and I just follow it through, and I flip both to the carpet. Sweet. I'm like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> it was just cool to see the fish come up and eat. Yeah, with, with the fish. Try to take it away from exactly. Them. It was that, sick. it's so I've seen it just a few times all yep. the years of fishing, yep. but it's pretty awesome. And that's usually how those doubles happen. Yep. You know, it's not usually hitting at the same time. It's like one's trying to get it away from the other one. Yep. You know, it was neat. Yeah, you ever happen in a tournament for you? Mm, not that I can recall in a tournament. It's happened to me. It's happened to me twice. I've always wind up with the small fish. Oh yeah. I don't know why, but the the big one gets off and the small one is the yeah, one that comes in. It's very hard to keep them pegged when you got two yep. pulling against each other. Yep, mm. yep, for yep. sure. But it's a, the uh, – do we have – no winner yet. Guys, we're That's not giving first. away this prize until we get a winner. So get your get your thinking caps on because we're going to be closing down this show in just a, just a couple yep. minutes. So we uh, get that – get your get your guesses in. But the uh, – I, it reminds me of. Um, I want to tell the story, and I'm going to tell the story, and then we're gonna we're gonna see if we have a winner. All right. But uh, I'm I'm fishing here and uh, topwater fishing, and I found this little spot on the end of a sandbar in a grass bed, throwing a walking bait, and I I, I couldn't believe I got there first, and I uh, hundred boat tournament, and I throw out, and on my first cast, boom, fish erupts, and and catch about a two and a half pounder and i swing him into the boat my next cast another one i'm like this doesn't happen you another know? one another one <laughs> it's uh so my, i put my third cast out there and it just it erupted but it sounded like somebody dropped a bowling ball and it felt weird and oh, it was man. like dragging a stump and and my line just went pop and it took off to the side and i swung it in and it was another two and a half pounder i'm like that was weird it just felt bigger mm -hmm. than that and and then um, I throw out there again, and I get I get another blow up, four casts in a row, and this fish halfway back I miss him, and I throw out there again, blows up, I set and I miss him. I'm like, man, I got to check my hooks, and I look at my walking bait, I have no hooks. Oh my goodness, uh, I have no hooks on the bait. Took off the ring. They 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 busted it like when I I think I got a double uh, when it sounded unusual. Yeah, and one of them ripped one of the rear. Wow. the hook off and i'm so excited i'm not even looking <laughs> i'm just unshaking unhooking fish and then i threw out there again and i got another bite and i think that ripped the other hook off uh. so in the middle of a derb i'm throwing a bait with no hooks it's important to have hooks. <laughs> it's important to have hooks <laughs> not good pete <laughs> there's the bass university lesson of the week <laughs> make sure you have hooks on your bait mm -hmm. um cool and we, we got no winner. We still don't have the it, we don't have the correct combo. We don't have it's, it's there. A lot of people are getting the the lake it was on, but not the year. Uh, tough one. Oh, the, the year. year, the event, and the body of water. Okay. I can hear their Google search happening guys. Right now. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you thirty more seconds. This is this never happens because we did it guys. once. It's only ever happened one other time. One other time. One other time. Man, because you guys are so mm -hmm. sharp and. Uh, Quick little topwater little tip oh. right here. So your topwater, oh, you pick. I think we have a winner, right? Oh, uh, you can yep. jump into it. We have a winner. Oh. <laughs> the clue gave it away. It did. C. Lynch, you won. Mm. It was 2014 St. Lawrence River. St. Lawrence River. Excellent. Congratulations, and uh, that's awesome. We got, go. a, we got a W. Mm -hmm. Got a great prize coming your way. What were you saying about the? Oh, just, you know, when choosing the pop bar stop uh, style bait, looking at the actual lip design can really there's days where like so a pop bar has either a cup 
or a push. I like the pushes personally. This yeah. has more of a push to it because it's either splashing or popping. Yep. You know, and I think personally, if you can get the splash, how do you know, tell by looking at it what you're going to so get? One's either going to be more of a kind of a flat push face like this kind of has, or okay. it's going to have more of a cup. More of a cup. So I, I think personally, I think the splashing catches more fish because I think you can change the retrieve by pushing the water better with a push face than with a popping face. So more concave yeah. for you. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. That's a, that's a little tidbit on yeah. your on your topwater baits, guys. Cool. Hey, thanks for watching. We're going to be back next week uh, with another episode of Bass University Live. Look for that. Look for the amazing content that's going to be released. Get yourself, get over, and get subscribed. This is the time to get schooled up. Right, Scott? This it's is the time. This time is the time to get schooled up. This is the fall. Hey, if you're not on the water as much, if you're sitting around watching the Phillies win the World Series, you can have Bash University on in the background like I do. Yeah. Uh, go check it out. Get, it's a great time to bring your fishing up to the next level. And uh, Cooper Gallant, I want to advise you to go watch uh, Drew Cook's sight fishing seminar. And I promise you, I want to advise anybody that wants to get better at that particular skill set. Uh, that is that is a premium seminar that will help you a lot. So uh, thank you, GDP. Yep. Pete. Thanks, Josh, Rich, Scott. I got one more shout out. So Talk the coolest thing, man, when you go out to Bash U Nation, you do a tournament, and your co-angler is a Bash U member, right? So down at James, both days, what? we had two members. So I want to give a shout-out to Ernest Stevens and my day two guy, Chris McMullen, uh, great vet. The guy has some great stories. We had a great time, on it, and they're both uh, dedicated Bash U members, and they were super excited. Awesome. Ernest awesome. and Chris, thank you, thank you uh, for being part of the program. We see them all over the country, and we really appreciate you guys. And we're going to be seeing a lot of you guys on the Elite Trail this year and at the Classic, so make sure you stop by and say hi. We will see you next week. I'm Pete Gluzak for Bash University. See you guys. Take care.